You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. Hello and welcome back to Celtic Strong. Steve and I are here for a special emergency podcast. It's the end of the first week of January 2022 and the Celtics seem lost. So we are pausing our normal look back to weigh in on the 2021-2022 Celtics, and what in the world has gone wrong? Steve, I won't lie. I'm having trouble staying positive right now. I think we need to talk about this season before I lose it. Eli, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. This is the real test of this podcast because we are just fans. We're not experts. We're not experts. The whole mission here was is to look back over Celtics history with a positive lens. We do this, of course, our gracious hosts, the CelticStrong.com forums have been lit Ooh. up. The people are speaking. They are upset. It's understandably uh, a lot stout. of different understandably stout. You know, one of our first episodes of this podcast was the dawn of the two J's era. Right. And it is safe to say there are some early hiccups in this dawn of the two J's era. And hopefully this ship can get righted Mm. before an abrupt ending to the dawn of the two J's era, which I desperately don't want. No, no. The puzzle pieces. Yeah, we are at this is a wild time in the season. And I would say an appropriate time for us to jump in with an emergency podcast to sort of, hey, press pause. If this podcast made it 
to any of the Celtics players up until this point. Let's just take a deep breath right now. Deep, deep breath. And yeah, and we're going to push the refresh button on this season starting right now. <laughs> wow. If only it were so simple. And see, so everyone knows what we just witnessed. We are coming off two of the most excruciating losses of the season, which is crazy because the previous 20 losses seemed like the most excruciating. But last <laughs> night against the Knicks at Madison Square Prime Garden, time. Uh, we yep. got uh, an excruciating blown lead and R.J. Barrett bank shot three over double coverage to lose again. These Celtics are incredibly good at losing games in the fourth quarter. So, Steve, we are not here to dwell on negative too much or to state the obvious. This team cannot hold fourth quarter leads and seems to be lost. So what in the world is going on? Well, Steve, let's not, you know, just rush into this. Let's remember how we do things here, right? So we like to take a deep breath, breathe with us, and start from the beginning. So Let's all take it easy here. Brad Stevens built this roster with the new coach. So I just want to talk to you about some of the noise I've been hearing and then just ask you how we got to this point up into the season, ultimately. Yeah. But I'm hearing a lot, been reading a lot and just hearing a lot. Um, there seems to be some a lot of finger pointing right now, and it's hard to kind of pick up what's going on. I'm seeing fingers being pointed at the players, being too, quote, comfortable, unquote. Mm. Fingers are being pointed at the new coach, or specifically the issue of the roster in the fourth quarter and what players are out there. Yeah. I, a lot of people have been fairly positive about the roster construction Yeah, in general from Brad Stevens. It's really been kind of like, did he get the right coach to utilize it? And then the real question is, is it way too early to even tell that or to say black and white, you know, this coach has to go or isn't right, you know, right fit. Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little unsure. The, the main thing that kind of shocked me yesterday was, and I, I just thought Al Horford was going to make a bigger impact mm-hmm. on this roster, especially in these situations. Right. And it just, it just, I'm not seeing it from him out there. Like not what I was hoping I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to make an impact in the final five minutes of a game when you're not on the court. (laughs) So that... Yeah, uh, that would be true. (laughs) Now, should Al be out there based on, you know, what we've seen this year? Debatable. uh, But he's not, generally. And one thing I noticed, especially last night, was the seeming unwillingness for Udoka to budge on both his closing lineup and the offensive plays style and sets he was running. So regardless of what we're seeing and who we're seeing, 
I think it's fair to say that Udoka, and granted, it's his first head coaching job, Udoka doesn't have what we saw from Brad Stevens so early. We actually commented on this in a previous episode, Steve, but Brad Stevens was so quickly able to show his acumen in play calling, getting his guys defensively in the right places, running the right plays. His timeout calls, right? Brad Stevens' timeout calls, friggin' brilliant. Yeah. And we're not I seeing read, yeah. that from Udoka. Yeah, and a lot of people have been pointing that out. I read that a lot of people were talking about that on the on the Celtic Strong forums. That was something I absolutely noticed 100%. And it's curious, right? I mean, wouldn't... I guess you can't really step on the coach's toes or coach for someone, but I would think that there'd be communication and there'd be yeah. some type of, uh, that Duco, uh, sorry. Um, that he would want to incorporate. I don't know. Do you think he's just watching the game? Like he gets the lineup out there and he turns into like a fan. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, it's hard to say, Steve. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't know a lot of Udoka's past history. Uh, He came from Greg Popovich's lineage and coached the Nets. And I know most recently was sort of the defensive-minded coach, defensive guru for the Nets, kind of like Tibbs back in the day for Doc, right? So um, sounded great in... I certainly love a defensive-minded coach on the seas. That's how they have been a top team over the past five years off and on is through their defense first. And I believe that has to be part of this team's identity. But I don't know a lot about Ime, and this is definitely his first real head coaching job. And so there is a certain learning curve that I think we need to address and you know there needs to be some leeway and at the same time this is the nba this is the boston celtics right so there's one thing to have understanding and leeway that he's figuring it out on the job it's another thing to be we're now nearly halfway through this season steve and yeah that's the same thing that's happening that's that's that and that's the frustrating part right and it and also the confusing part because his lineage, his experience, you'd think he'd be better at this. Now, it's happening in real time. He's doing it for the first time, and it's on him Sure. now to be the one that calls the timeouts. But I just, it's surprising to me that this aspect of the game is, for whatever reason, elusive for him. Yeah. As it's, as it's been shown to us thus far, and it seems to be kind of like, it feels like Groundhog Day. Like, it's just... Right. These losses all seem the same. Absolutely. So like, how does nothing change? Yeah. And that's something that absolutely the coach needs to be held responsible for. Is he solely responsible? Is he, in our minds, in the minds of the, the real fans, like is, is he, is Udoka the issue? Not necessarily. Uh, it's certainly not that simple. And my gut tells me he is just exacerbating 
what is really a carryover from last year. And I believe on this very podcast, Steve, <laughs> we didn't spare words about last year's team. Last year's team was sure. soft. And roster construction didn't work out. And ultimately, when Jalen Brown got hurt, it almost kind of put us out of our misery. And then, of course, yeah. Tatum goes off for 50 against the Nets, and it's like almost still competitive. But even with Jalen, we weren't going to beat the Nets, and we weren't going to go that far. So last year was kind of a, a mercy ending, and then we were very excited about Brad's ascendance to GM, a new coach, the firm, firm dawn of the 2Js era. And as you said at the beginning, Steve, this dawn is, uh, is breaking <laughs> too early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let me, let me throw something out there. Let me, let's do an experiment. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt for a moment. Right. Sure. Is it possible that, cause it's, it's easy enough to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback and sit back and say, he should call a timeout there. And he should, it's really easy to say he should play these two players last night. Then the two players that were in in retrospect or in hindsight. Yeah. I guess if he's a new coach or if one is a new coach in, is it possible that he's trying to develop a system that there's something that he's, there's some larger picture thing here that he's trying to do. That's just not working currently. I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. <laughs> I just don't think so. I mean, oh, all right. Here, uh, <laughs> here's the thing you've got, I was trying to give him a break, but you know. <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got a lot of things, right? So let's let's just one by one look at the core pieces here. Okay. You've okay. got roster construction. Okay. Pure and mm -hmm. simple. Do these bodies, do these young men collectively on a basketball team form a unit? that's good enough to win consistently night in, night out in the NBA? I think almost everyone says yes. Okay? Right. Now, on paper. On, on paper. paper. Now, is the roster construction great? Is it perfect? Is it perfect around the 2Js? I don't think so. I think it's good and a lot of talent on paper. That's one thing almost everyone points out is may not be a perfect roster, but it's damn better than 18 and 21 and out of the playoffs mm -hmm. in the Eastern Conference. It's definitely a lot more talented than the performance. But here's a couple little nuggets, Steve. The Celtics defensive rating is top 10, even still after last night. So huh. are there, back to your point, are there things Udoka is installing, is instilling, is doing that are catching on or taking longer to catch on? Defensively, it would seem so. But yeah. getting to the real meat of it, is the coach putting the current roster in a position to win? And that is where I think People are rightfully upset. 
And I am kind of losing my patience, dude, because okay. it right. would be really hard to make the argument that Udoka has done. And what we're seeing is he's clearly pushing on the right buttons to some degree, right? They're building big leads. They've got yeah. uh, usually three quarters of the game and <laughs> they're a top four team, right? So some stuff is working. And as has been pointed out, especially in the past you know, few games, it's this late game collapse, lack of cohesion. They get rattled. They get out of place. They don't have a clear leadership, clear plan, and a unity on the court. And that, I think, absolutely has to be coached. There's an, Certainly. There's an but aspect of this that falls on the players. And I know we've touched a little bit on how the two J's aren't necessarily natural vocal leaders. So we don't want to just gloss over that. And, you know, in my mind, Steve, we've been talking about that for several seasons, right? So right. if we notice all these things about roster construction, fourth quarter lineups, the way the two J's are our leaders, the people right there need to also see this and so either they're seeing additional things we don't see, but they aren't necessarily materializing, or for whatever reason, the combination of roster construction, construction around the two J's, the coach, his systems, his inexperience, all coming together don't work. And, mm. yeah. Yeah, Nick. Could have worked. I mean, we thought it was going to work, but I think so. Part of it is before we move on from roster construction, the sure is it safe to say there was like a Marcus Smart experiment here this season where they were like, he's going to be the ball handler running the offense. Yeah. And for the first three quarters, that's pretty good, as you're saying. It's working. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, the Marcus thing, because he's been in and out of a number of roles and we've sort of said, you know, Marcus is as good as Marcus's role that's carved out and defined for him. And we've talked about how that's often the issue is that role, not Marcus. And seemingly with, yeah, elevation to starting point guard role, uh, contract extension, all the signs were giving him the keys to be a playmaker, a facilitator. The one, you know, getting others involved and, of course, bringing his defense that he's known for. Um, I personally have always thought Marcus was best in a sixth man role. Um, yeah. I don't think, and even more so now, I don't think he's the starting pointing guard. I don't think he's the starting point guard on a winning Celtics team in this era. Yeah. I'll just say it, Steve. I agree. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, and that's from everything I'm reading and seeing, he's not the point guard that everyone seems to believe 
is going to complement the two J's the best. And I think the verdict's still out on what that point guard is, but people want that shooter. People want the offensive creator yeah. to be paired with those two guys. Yeah. And we're seeing two things in tandem late in games. And as it relates to Marcus Smart, we're seeing that the offense is going to run through usually Jason sometimes Jalen, but the offense in clutch time is going to run through Tatum. So regardless yeah. of who brings it up past half court, it's going to then run through Tatum and go into a set for Tatum. So the issue there is Marcus Smart is not a good shooter. He's never been a high percentage shooter, right? He's gotten better. He's not a good shooter. He's not a spot up shooter. So if you have Marcus on the floor, but he's not the one actually running the offense, he's then sitting on the three-point line waiting for a kick. Right. And last night, time and time again, Tatum drives into double coverage, hits the open man, which is shrewder or smart, and either they take it or pass to the other, and then the other bricks it. Yeah, we were talking about that before, and you would have liked to have seen which bench players in there last night in the fourth quarter in this moment. Well, you know, part of it is also you're countering, you know, the other team to some degree. And, you know, the lineup he had was very fast, right? Very flexible, I mean, but to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, having Marcus Smart in the game with a fourth quarter lead should be the right call right i mean he's a yes and no <laughs> the problem okay okay i mean steve the problem is that and we've touched on this and talked about this in many different ways in different seasons but marcus smart is going to shoot that three mm. marcus smart yeah. has never seen a three-pointer or a drive yeah. to the lane that he didn't love. And Marcus is all too emboldened he loves that. and comfortable Ill calling advised. his own number. And the ill gosh, Steve, I was so mad when he took the last two threes he took in the fourth quarter last night because uh, you know they're not going in. Yeah, he's the king of the ill-advised three-pointer. And, and it's a shame. It's a shame. And where it comes back to the coaching, Steve, is... And the announcers, while uh, questionable on some of their calls about the Celtics, were pretty right about Tatum's decision-making in the fourth quarter. So it was awesome. And if Tatum is playing that well and doing what he needs to, that then when he is kicking out to the open man, that man has to be a shooter. So yeah. if that is smart, that's on the coach. Sure. So either it needs to be Tatum smart and three shooters. Jalen is a shooter, right? So Jalen's good. But then you've got Rob Williams, Schroeder, and smart. None of them are jump shooters. None of them can shoot threes consistently. So all they have to do is put all the coverage on Tatum, have their other best defend wing defender on Jalen, and the Celtics can't do anything, right? So yeah. 
They need shooters. Do they have the right guys on the roster? Maybe not, yeah. but they have a lot better shooters, including the popular choice who could have been in there. Grant Williams, believe it or not, shooting incredibly well on threes this season. In fact, I don't know if he still is, but he was top three-point percentage in the league for a little while. And is a great stretch four to play alongside Rob and Jason or one of them. Jason, uh, you know, Tatum obviously is who we want taking the shots. But if we're going to run our offense always through him, he's going to get doubled. And so yeah. when he kicks, we need to have something better than smart or shrewder just standing there waiting to brick a three or pass it to someone else. That's not a game. That's not going to win. No. So it's tricky because it's all tied in together. I definitely would have loved to see Udoka change up the lineup. And when the Celtics start to lose the leads, do a little more to halt that. You know, yeah. Rob Williams addressed it actually in the post game. Uh, he was asked, do you think you guys get rattled in the fourth quarter? And he said, yeah. Admitted, yeah, I think we do. Wow. And that's so crazy to hear Rob saying that. When you look at this roster, I mean, Tatum and Jalen were like all-time performers their first couple of years in the playoffs for Celtics, you know, early, early year players in the playoffs. Marcus Smart has been to the playoffs almost every season of his career. Al Horford's been to the playoffs with how many different teams? Same with Jay Ritt. I mean, there is so much experience and even winning playoff experience on this team. Why is it like that? So something both from the coaching and from the internal leadership of the team, the player leadership, is not right. Yeah, and that's what has people screaming to blow it up, to make trades. It's really hard, and they... Last night was rough. They looked the buzzer beater at the end. Mm. Their bench looked dejected. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a hard place to come back from, but I will say like they now have real issues to look at and right. be like if they want to make some changes, they have some clear things so they can go in a different direction. Yeah, so let's uh let's put on our our positive positive caps or positive vibes robes and let's talk a little bit about what could come out of this and how they could turn this around or or what we might want to see for the rest of this season i mean there's half a season and i think there's great arguments that could be made to a break this up b shake it up without really breaking it up or C just simply give it a full season to settle in right. and then have a better sense of what needs to be addressed in the off season. I think one thing that we can uh, at least refer back to and kind of 
give ourselves a little more leeway right now is that um, last year's team was a mess. Yeah. So to think you can just like swap out the bench, the core of the bench and the coach and the GM and just magic. Um, yeah. And let's be for real. You know, we were talking about the roster. There was, you know, some question marks sure. going in sure, and, and, and what Marcus's role was going to be. I feel like we knew there weren't enough shooters yep. at the beginning of the season. Yep. And so I, I hear what you're saying. And I guess maybe that speaks to my point of saying like, is this part of, trying to build a system is this sort of like writing it out with these players in, in order to see, can I make this work or is there going to be for a full season? It's like, no, that's not going to work. So let's do a major overhaul then when we know for sure. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I would assume they're going to have more flexibility next year. It didn't seem like they had much flexibility to build around the Jays going into this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And it might just be, you know what? We weren't really set up for this unbelievable, successful season. So. Right. And Jalen's early injury, COVID, it's certainly been anything but a smooth season on a lot of fronts. Yeah. And yet, Steve, I, you know, I think what everyone who's out of their head right now, which is really pretty much every Celtics fan, I mean, from the, <laughs> yeah. the forums to Celtics Twitter to all the podcasts, I mean, it is hilarious. My Twitter timeline last night was freaking hilarious. And regardless of what needs to happen or will happen or just simply you know, in the words of Aaron A.A. Ron, I'm unvaccinated Rogers. Everyone needs to relax a little, but it's hard to relax, Steve, when we know how talented the roster is and that they're simply not playing up to that talent. And the way they are losing games and looking at their offense in the fourth quarter when it just goes stagnant and can't score. And yet whatever Udoka's trying to do, he needs to be more reactive. You know, like yeah. You can see the best coaches and believe it or not, Ty Lu is actually in insider circles lauded as one of if not the best current coach because he adjusts so quickly. He is so flexible and open and present he's able to adjust really quickly to what's going on that is something it does not seem like udoka's doing currently and yeah it's strange it's strange it's just too. hard it's hard to watch and it's hard to watch those collapses yeah. or those closing lineups and it's hard to understand what he's thinking is going to happen differently and after the losses, you know, or it's like the same thing. And he's like, yeah, we just don't seem to have leadership. We, and man, everyone's just screaming at the TV. Like you're the coach, you're the leader. Hmm. Like if it's not going to come from you, where's it going to come from? And then he seems like he's calling out his players. 
Meanwhile, you know, someone last night on Twitter pointed out, like, Tatum had a great game. Tatum was amazing and made the right call. He did what Udoka asked based on the game Sure, play. sure. So why are you lumping him in with other? It's just, it's a mess, Steve. And it's a mess because... Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that piece of it. Hard to blame the players for last night's. Yeah, it's weird. And it's, it's a lot of just like, you know, not simply stepping up and saying, yeah, this is on me. I'm going to get this right. Right. I love to hear that. And not just the way the players do that diplomatically. You know, like Rob Williams taking culpability for a lot of this is silly. Rob Williams had, what, eight blocks last night? Yeah, he was, he looked great. He he's looked just great every beast. night. I mean, he's amazing. His development yeah. is incredible. And it's rough to like, yeah, see him in a press conference trying to like answer to this and bear the brunt like it's not he's not the leader he's not the veteran he's not he's never even really you know he's played in the playoffs what once like he this is not him yeah this is on the vets this is on the coach like and where is al horford i mean maybe he's just been sort of marginalized out of a role i don't know maybe it's not on him but where is al horford where are the jays in these moments, unifying the team. Where, like, what is Marcus Smart doing? <laughs> Why is Marcus Smart right. valuable if he can't do yeah. any of these things that we need late in game? Like, this is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be the late game closer, the tough nose, like, gonna make the winning play, always calm, never panics. And you just don't see that yeah. this year. So yeah, trying trying to stay positive, but things are concerning right now for sure. Things are and yeah, and what needs to happen, Steve? I mean, I think you and I love seeing the two Jays together. Yeah, would love them to continue developing together, and I know even right now. I am not in favor of breaking up the two J's. Yeah. I mean, is it safe to say that we need to get this right the next two years or they could just break this up? The, it, I mean, my concern here is, is that theory. there's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's right the, that. I mean, that's what really kind of makes me nervous here. It's just sort of, and it seems to be this, everyone's in slow motion. Like, you talked about in a way like accountability. Yeah. And it just seems like no one is just, everyone's like just watching like a car crash in a weird way. Exactly. And yeah. And it's no one's, everyone's like, doesn't know what to do. They're frozen. Exactly. And you know, they took their best shot with the best players they had available. They brought back guys they knew that could play, but you know, Al Horford's obviously not making the kind of impact. I don't think he was expected to be the Al Horford that was on the Celtics years ago. But when you talk about Marcus Smart, it's maybe not just on him, but there is no spark plug. What he represented right. over the past few years, there's no Eddie House. There's no one like coming into the game and just like energizing it yeah. in a way that they don't, 
it's over. Right. They don't, they don't like look back. Yeah. And, and they're just allowing these teams that aren't particularly incredible. Right. I mean, or Orlando magic and the Knicks aren't the best teams in the league <laughs> yet. They're giving up these massive leads. And, you know, I will say that there is talent on this team. And I will say there is potential in our coach. There is potential in this team to kind of turn it around. But I think that they certainly need to have a major moment right now to just sort of dig deep and and maybe they get shook up. Maybe yeah. the role players that aren't contributing need to go. Right. We need to get other guys in there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's been said that maybe Brad Stevens needs to help Udoka by trading away pieces that don't really fit. And, you know, Schroeder's been mentioned a lot because Udoka just like can't stop playing him, uh, even when it's like yeah. not the time. And, you know, Schroeder can be that sixth man spark plug off the bench, right? But not if right. you're starting, not if you're playing him with the starters. And um, yeah, it's bizarre the way that, you know, now, and Horford maybe, you know, he was, you know, there's been a lot of COVID and injuries, so maybe Horford hasn't been fully healthy and maybe we see more. That's true. In the second half, and maybe this team is just now getting healthy and we're going to see a different, team in the second half hope so and i do think even just some smaller deadline moves would really help and if you think about you know this roster steve i mean most good rotations in the nba are pretty short let's call them eight maybe nine man rotations eight man rotations so think about this if you have everyone healthy right Mm-hmm. Let's just do this real quick. In our minds, I think we would start Marcus, Jalen, Tatum, Rob, and then it's either Horford if you're going big or Jay Rich or Schroeder if you're going small. Right? right. Then you, so let's say it's Jay Rich, we'll just say for the sake of right so then off the bench you've got schroeder horford right ready yeah grant right all right uh grant williams right you've got peyton pritchard you've got romeo langford you've got neesmith right How are you going to play all? Yeah, just when we even, I know exactly. When we get down to these names, like, I don't know if we need, I think there needs to be a shakeup for sure. I wouldn't, I don't know to what degree that needs to happen. But you know, this kind of reminds me of is that scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt, as Billy Bean, is talking to the manager yeah. of the A's. And he's like, you're going to start Hatterberg at first. And he's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. You're going to start. He's like, no, 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 you, you can't start Pena. He's like, you can't tell me what to do. He's like, no, I, I traded Pena to the Tigers. You can't start Pena. <laughs> like, I feel, <laughs> I think that does kind of need, and I wonder, 
I mean, the person who could objectively look at this team and see what's working and not is Brad Stevens, right? And then he's the one in the position to make those changes. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, there's, you know, we can pick apart the frustrating, we talk about the frustrating aspects of this, but also, I guess, has it been, this is the kind of question I just want to point to you. The question I want to make to you is, in a way, this season up until this point, has it been trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that is what we had in you know several past roster incarnations. But I think this is a little different because in my mind, it's not as simple as this isn't the right fit somewhere. It's just simply the right. right fit. But it's more like, you know those, uh, I don't know if they're like IQ puzzles or whatever, but the shape puzzles where you have to like, mm-hmm. like you do them as kids with the different shapes, like and you're supposed to like put the things to make the shape shown in the diagram. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, yeah, they're yeah, like Mensa, so. like IQ kind of puzzles, and you have to fit a series of smaller shapes together to to create the big shape shown. And I think it's more like that. And Udoka's like never mm-hmm. done one of these before. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like me. He's like on like <laughs> level one of those, and they just like handed him a level like twenty nine thousand one, and he's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Now, <laughs> Steve, we do not coach basketball ever, uh, and we are not no. experts on basketball, and yet we have our eyes and our ears open, and a lot of people who are experts on basketball have been saying a lot of these things. So while we want to stay positive and see the best, we do have to acknowledge that there are things that need to be cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, I don't, when they acquired Schroeder, I don't recall him, the projection being him starting every game. Like, I recall it being kind of like, oh, this is great because he's going to fill this role. Yeah. Coming off the bench as the sixth man, Marcus can kind of be out there. You know, like it was. Yeah. They're, they're just the, and again, so. You make an excellent point. We talked about Groundhog Day too in this podcast. It's, <laughs> I mean, Rudy Gobert has COVID again. <laughs> we did a whole podcast about the COVID ravaged season. We're sort of, this has also been a COVID ravaged season. People just aren't talking about that necessarily. Yeah. So you talk about injuries, COVID. There are extenuating circumstances here sure. that have put people in, I think, a position perhaps on the depth chart has been shooken in a way that it's it's just sort of in this space right now that's not work that's just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely I think you could point to specific examples of moments where um it's, they seem to have some good lineups and rosters going or roster um construction going and then 
one of the key guys gets hurt or is out for a bit. And yeah, there's been so much shuffling this season for so many reasons, especially the Celtics once again. And I think that just, that gives us the ability to relax a little bit and to have Mm. a little more patience. And the concerning parts though are, it's one thing if, you know, a guy's working his way into the lineup and then gets hurt. But when he comes back, you need to work him back in, ideally, right? So what we're seeing is just, in my mind, just too much inconsistency where one night you have, you know, your bench guys playing are Inez Freedom and Grant Williams and Romeo Langford, and then the next night, it's three different guys. It's Peyton Pritchard, Jay Rich, and Horford or Schroeder, whoever didn't start, yeah. right? So I think there's a a lot that has led to inconsistency just by definition, but I'm just not convinced, and this is something that I think Bill Simmons says a lot on his podcast, does he know who his best nine guys are? Hmm. Does he know who his best eight guys are to play in the playoffs and win a series? And I'm not convinced Udoka knows who his best eight guys on this roster. And not maybe his fault. It's just that there hasn't been an opportunity to see that. No, I'm saying I think it's his fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, got it. Uh, and once again, Steve, like we're just, you know, we got to be honest. We're not trying to just throw blame around. And, uh, I do think responsibility for this current mire, this current miss, this current somewhat of a disastrous season is partially Udoka, partially Brad Stevens to a lesser degree, Brad Stevens. I don't really have a huge issue with what he's been able to do given the constraints. Uh, but certainly the players and just the health is also to blame. But man, if you're looking at places where changes can be made, different buttons can be pushed. That's really the coaching in game in season. That's the coaching different sets, different play calls, different lineups. And man, some stuff was coming out last night about, like, is Udoka even calling plays late in games? Like, we're not going to even get into that. Because <laughs> I would hate for right. it to come out that he's not even just calling. He's not even calling plays. He's just like, on your offense, go win, boys. Um, but there is culpability, I think. And it'd be hard to, be hard to spin it any other way. And I'd just love to yeah. see this team say, we're not sure what's wrong, but we're going to take responsibility and fix it internally. Okay, well, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it could. And and I I mean, I personally I'd like to see him I'd like to see him shake it up a bit. I I am not sold on giving away the farm or doing some, I don't know if now's the time 
to do a major thing, I think that would make a little more sense than the offseason if that was yeah. the right thing to do. But yes, like, let's make some small moves. Like, I, I think this whole Dennis Schroeder thing starting every night, to me, that screams he's going to be traded. That's just a feeling. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you can move him, you know, Horford. Again, Horford could be playing hurt or just having a tough time coming back or finding his place on this team after all these years. Yeah. But for sure, there's some things to do. Yeah. That to me is going to be really fascinating. Hopefully they begin to, to turn the tide a bit, you know, before that happens. And at the very least, get it together in the fourth quarter here. Yeah. It's pretty sad to watch. And people, you know, just seem to disappear in those moments. And, you know. Yeah, but hey, I'll stay, I'll stay positive. They can do it. You can do it, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, keep, keep your head up. They can turn it around. <laughs> sure. Sure. Sure, Steve. They're only in 11th place halfway through the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Schroeder's the obvious trade piece and because he's on a one year and is probably going to get more money in the off season, you know, from that perspective, he makes sense, but I'm going to go ahead and say it, Steve. I think we need to trade Marcus smart, and get whatever we okay. can for Marcus smart right now. I'm just big take, big take here on the Celtic strong podcast. You heard it. I own a Marcus smart Jersey. This is this was not said lightly, folks at home. I am officially out on Marcus Smart. And, wow, that's huge. And you know what? Going into this season, I had Knicks fans saying to me, he's your guy. That's the one guy you can't move, Marcus Smart. It's like huge. So now to be in this place where we're kind of like, okay, this might happen. And I look at it like this era of the two J's is in trouble. We need we need to focus on the two J's. Yeah. You know, if if Marcus has to go for that to work and for them to stay, then that's exactly what needs to happen. I think he has to go, Steve. That is my hot take of the minute. Marcus All Smart right. needs to go. And for this season, if they traded Smart some other pieces to bring in a guy that's a better shooter, a better fit, and they keep Schroeder, even just for the rest of the year, I think you see big changes. I just think Marcus is not only thrust once again into a role he can't really fulfill, but he is always at the center of the emotional strife and turmoil and struggles of this team. Now, some may say he's actually the emotional leader, and you can't trade away your leader. But if he's been the emotional leader for the last few years, they have not been doing well. And last night was just the worst. I mean, watching him at the end of that game, not able to guard Evan Fournier. This is a former first-team all-defensive guard by many considered one of the best guard defenders in this era. And he cannot guard Evan Fournier. Meanwhile, he's breaking every three, and I'm just, I'm out. You know, we used to always say, like, you. Marcus makes winning plays, and I, he did, he did. I mean, he has throughout his career a lot of the time, but the last few seasons, 
started to go downhill because in those crunch time moments, he's asked to do too much. He needs to be put back either into the role he excels in, which honestly, I don't think that can happen on the Celtics. I think he's too emboldened. He's got too much leadership, whether that's actual or perceived, and he's literally the longest tenured player on the team now. So I think he needs to go somewhere else. I actually think Marcus could be really, really good on a different team, like way better than he's I ever do. been on the Celtics. Well, definitely. I mean, well, possibly. Yeah. I have one question for you. Do you think if, Mar- if we were to move Marcus Smart that Jalen Brown could step up into that emotional leader role? You know... I've always thought he would be great for that. And he certainly, as we've noted before, is a very bright and very compelling young man. He doesn't seem to have that type of leadership on the court yet. He seems to be more yeah. of like a silent leader, lead by example, kind of like more of the quiet pensive. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. if there's a vacuum. I wonder if the in the absence right. if that could draw that out of him. And I want to say, like, right. I hope it does. And maybe I'll stay positive and say, like, I think he could. Yeah. I certainly think he could. He's he has the depth of, of as an athlete and a human being to do that. Yeah. And to sort of grow into that for sure. And maybe he just needs the opportunity. I would I'd be interested in. Maybe we come back for like a for a trade post trade deadline pod. See what happens. All right. All right. See who's who's left standing. I think we need to give it a give it a few few more breaths, Steve, before we bail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know one thing, Steve. There is still in both of our hearts a lot of hope and a lot of excitement for the future. And I think in addition to the two J's, we might have to pretty soon modify the name of this era. <laughs> two J's in the time lore. Because, yeah. <laughs> man, if there's one yes. bright spot in this year, it is just the continued growth of the Time Lord and his ability to actually stay on the court so far. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I said that. Knock on wood. I hear what you're saying, Eli. And- you make a good point. We got to say we got to stay Celtic strong. We got to stay sure. Celtic strong. We got to find those bright spots like Rob Williams' insane athletic ability and know that Brad Stevens he's been with this organization for a long time now. He is committed to the Celtics. This is his first year in the front office GM role. His first year ever in that kind of a role. And I know I still trust Brad. I never lost my trust in Brad. I still trust the talent and the acumen of the two J's on the court. And I think whatever happens at the trade deadline with Udoka, who likely we're going to have for a few years, they did sign him to a multi-year yeah. deal. And for, you know, for everything we know, great guy and uh, is someone who's instilling certain things in these players, right? We talked about that defensive rating. Yeah, and we can't, you can't give up. It's so early in his coaching career. It's like, fine. Like, if this is the issue now, like, work it out. Yeah. And this could be worked out. And I think 
it speaks to Brad in a way, I'm sure he wouldn't want anyone to tell him how to coach. Right. Sure. So, and, and micromanage him. So I just hope there's some, you know, some really great tape sessions, some really great moments with some of these core players, with the coach, with the GM, where they can just go to another level here with their knowledge and experience. Well, Steve, I think, you know, you've, you've talked me down off the ledge a little here. Woo. And, uh, I did the best I could. I think you helped me too, to a certain (laughs) degree. And it's what we do for sure. Gotta say Celtic strong all day long. Big thanks to the Celticstrong.com, the number one Boston Celtics fan forum on the internet. Thank you so much. All of you for joining us for this emergency pod. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. See you next time. Celtic Strong. Celtic Strong out.